0: We're in a series called Something to Believe in. We're in week two. And, you know, we see people all over the world, just part of our human nature. We're looking for something. To believe in something we can put our hope in and if you live long enough and you put your hope in enough things of the world these things fail you you're told you just believe in yourself just believe in yourself you can do it and we go down we make enough poor choices we become our own worst enemy we put our hope and our faith in the people around us and even the people who love us the most don't always get it right we put our belief in our faith in possessions or status or fame popularity the next big the next big thing the next brand and ultimately it leaves us wanting more last week we looked at the big picture of belief answered the most important question that we have to answer uh, which is whether or not there is a God who really does exist who really cares about us is interested in us and uh, we're going from that big picture today to talking about Jesus and, and our faith in him it was interesting a couple years ago I was helping pastor a congregation. And we did something where we let people send in their questions about faith. And by far, the number one question that people had about their faith is, can I lose my salvation? After I've recognized my sin, my need for a savior, I've put my faith in Jesus uh, for my eternal life. Can I do something to lose it? People asked it in a lot of different ways, uh, but it was by far the most asked question and I could relate to it because uh, I became a believer when I was pretty young and you know as a kid I realized my sin, I realized that it separated me from God, that Jesus came to bridge the gap between me and God and I consciously chose to believe in Jesus and you're not going to believe this, but I lived the perfect, Christian life for the next 90 seconds. It was just, I was like, man, the Christian life is easy. Like it's done. I'm done. I'm ready. Like I'm good. And then I realized that life still goes on, and your older sister is still annoying, and you still want to disobey and disrespect your parents. And as a little kid, I wasn't like a hardened criminal, but man, I would lie if I thought it would keep me out of trouble. I would try to put myself above others and make sure that uh, I was in the popular crowd. And then I got older, and my sins kind of grew and matured with me. I hit middle school, and like most, if not all, middle school boys deal with, I started dealing with lust and falling into t- temptation and and then you know if you wanted to really be in and be on the top of the social order you had to talk about some things that kind of compromised beliefs and convictions i had i knew that things i would say and do were going against the bible and god's plan for my life by the time high school hit i had let pride just completely take over i was living for myself for my own status so i was going to do whatever it took to be in with the in crowd so if i had to drink i'd drink if i had to smoke i'd smoke it, the way that i viewed through these uh, broken depraved eyes continued to degrade and the whole time I was a believer the whole time I knew who God was I'd learned a lot about the Bible my parents kept me in church and it created this tension inside of me where I would wrestle I would lay up awake at night wondering if I had finally done too much if I had disqualified myself for entrance into heaven And it was this very real fear that maybe I finally did enough bad things or I've gone too far this time. And it was like I saw my eternity on a scale. And every time I kept adding these sins, they kept getting more and more weight. And so naturally, what I would do is I would try to make up for it. I would get this fear and this guilt. And so I would take and put a little more prayer on this side and dust off the Bible and be more active in the youth group and maybe even go to a mission project in town hoping that I could tip the scales enough with my good works that maybe I could earn my way into heaven. I lived my life trying to hang on to my salvation. And two years ago, when we put this out to thousands of people to say what they were wrestling with in their faith, the number one thing is people wondering whether or not they could be sure that their salvation sticks people who probably also have some skeletons in the closet and some habits and patterns they're not proud of, some things in their past from when they were immature and foolish, things that they wonder whether or not it has disqualified them from going to heaven someday. And maybe you've lived your life In the same way trying to balance out the difference between the bad things you've done in your life and the good things you've done and hoping that the scales will tilt in your favor we're trying to earn our entrance into heaven we're trying to hang on to our salvation you can lose a lot of things in life your eternal salvation your eternal life is not something that you want to let go of I uh, worked with a kids director who gave this incredible and very simple illustration using a pull-up bar, and I'm gonna use it today. So if everybody could get single file line, we're just gonna knock out 10 pull-ups each uh, to get things started. We're not gonna do that. I did ask my buddy Steve, uh, just right before I got up here, I put him on the spot, he was a little hesitant. So put your hands together for Steve, because it's scary to come up here. Steve strikes me as an introvert, so man, I appreciate you coming up. Here's how her illustration works. Uh, She brought a pull-up bar, and this is all for the sake of metaphor. But she said, basically, salvation exists above this bar. And and so all you have to do to get to your salvation is simply to to lift yourself up and and get your chin above the bar and then just hold it forever. So if you'll just jump up there... um, Uh, I thought about doing this myself. Uh, You you can face the introvert way or the extrovert way. I really don't care uh, which one you want to do. But you just get up, chin above the bar. Go ahead. Yeah, go get your salvation. Just Just stay. No, just stay. Now, this is hell down here, so no pressure. Now, Steve, how well do you think you could pay attention to the rest of my sermon from up there? You think you'd be all right? Maybe maybe miss a few details. You feel pretty good. You start your salvation and you're holding on and you're like, really? No big deal. But eventually life starts to get hard here in about 10 seconds. He's going to start getting some lactic acid build up in here. Shoulders will get tired. Palms sweating. Great job. Great. You hold the record for today. Actually, I was scared for a sec. You're bigger than you looked when you were in your chair, so I'm glad that I picked you. And eventually in life, we fall. It just happens. We are jacked up people. We live in a broken world. And what happens is when you're hanging on for dear life, you feel like heaven and hell is dependent on you and your works and your ability and the good things that you can do. What you get focused on is not falling. Because fall comes with the fear of eternal separation from God. And if you are focused on simply living your life to not fall, then you won't have enough attention to put on living the life of purpose, calling, and power that God has put you on this earth for. And so what's the balance for us? How can we live with an assurance, with the security of what happens on the other side of this life? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And and to answer that question, as we talk about salvation, which is a very loaded term, uh, we really have to understand what we are being saved from. And the answer, quite simply, is we're being saved from eternal separation from God, both during this life and on the other side of this life in eternity now separation from God also inherently means separation from anything and everything that is Good And so some people don't like the idea of God. They don't like Christianity. They've been hurt. We talked about this last week. A lot of people don't want to believe in God. And if there is a hell, they're comfortable going there because they'd rather be around the other people they see that might be going to hell as well. And they'll have their own party once they get there. The problem with that line of thinking is that when you are separated from God, anything you've experienced in this life that is, is a healthy pleasure, that is fun, enjoyable, fulfilling, significant. Every single thing that could be categorized as good finds its source in God. So to be separated from God is to be separated from anything and everything that is good. Now, God created the world and created humans uh, in perfection, and his intention and standard for us is perfection. However, he also gave us a free will, and even at the very beginning, people chose to rebel against God, to rebel against the king, and to do things our own way. And when we fall short of that perfect standard that God has set, it is called sin. And this is a big problem because the Bible tells us that God hates all sin, and he cannot be in the presence of sinners. And so we are separated, and we continue as humans to go our own way and to try our own paths to deviate from the intention and purposes of God. And now as a consequence of that, we live in a very broken world where we look around and we see so much hatred and division and prejudice and misunderstanding and confusion and people who are digging their heels on on different sides of the issues and will not budge. We live in a world of a a lot of suffering and death and things that are unjust and unfair. And here's the deal. Sin is a uniquely human problem. Humans created this problem. And so the solution to the problem would also have to come from a human. And that was a very big problem. Humans versus sin. And for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, sin consistently won. And all of that changed 2,000 years ago by the birth of a little boy named Jesus. Now... The Bible tells us that uh, all all four of the Gospels tell us that Jesus was born, that he became a human. In the Gospel of John, uh, this is how his birth is announced. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word is a metaphor for Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God. This is one of the foundational beliefs of Christianity is that Jesus was not just with God. He is not just a God. He is God himself. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made and without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus was 100% God But John goes on in verse 14 to say that this word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We call this Jesus incarnate, Jesus in human flesh. And so while Jesus was 100% God, he also was 100% human. He lived in this dynamic of being 100% fully God and 100% fully human. Here we are. Everyone's talking about trying to keep it 100. Jesus is keeping it 200. No problems for him. 100% God, 100% man. And this unique makeup is important to understand the assurance of our salvation. Now, Jesus didn't just come to earth to hang out, to do cool miracles, to teach us lots of great things. Jesus came to earth to do battle with and to defeat sin once and for all. And so the question is, what is the price of sin? What does it take to come up with a solution to the sin problem that separates you and I from God? And the Bible says it very clearly, and we saw it last week, that the wages or the cost of our sin is death. The consequence of all these bad deeds that we have stacked up is our own life. And when you read the Bible, you see that sin always requires death. And not just death at the end of this life, but the kind of death that comes from eternal separation from the source of of our life, and that's bad news for us because you can probably even just think through the last week or the last month about all of the different times that you have fallen short of God's standard, the times that you've got lost in your own pride or your own selfishness, that you've tried to elevate yourself over others or considered your needs before the needs of the people around you, the hateful thoughts you've had, the lustful thoughts you've had, all the different things in our life. Man, some of you just trying to get your kids in the car And ready to come here have separated yourself from god because that's one of the most frustrating things of the week then you go over the course of your life from when you were young and made all kinds of foolish choices for some of the big mistakes you've made in your life or some of the times that you've really seriously hurt people the times that you've cheated the times that you've gotten addicted the times that you have found yourself in the most difficult circumstances because of your own choices All of us have compiled these very extensive, very impressive rap sheets against us. And God sees every one of our sins from the big ones like murder and adultery all the way down to the smallest ones like a little white lie to get yourself out of an awkward situation. He sees all of them and every single one of them will be judged and will be punished. Sin is a uniquely human problem and it will take a human to come up with a solution. And this is why the uniqueness of Jesus matters. Someone would have to live a perfect life in order to pay the full price of the sins of the world, past, present, and future. The Apostle Paul in Philippians, we read this in our Be Humble series, he said, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. The cost of your sin is death. And Jesus was 100% human, 100% man, and that qualified him to be the sacrifice for our sins. But he was also 100% God, which allowed him to live a life of, pers- of perfection so that he could make the sacrifice for our sin. His humanity allowed him to be the sacrifice, and his deity allowed him to make the sacrifice. And so in Colossians, Apostle Paul wrote that you were dead because of your sins you were dead before you believed in Jesus. If you're in the room today, if you're watching online today, and you have never had a moment where you realize your sin, you realize your separation from God, you understand that Jesus bridged that gap and put your faith in him, before that moment, you are a dead man walking, a dead woman walking. And we know if we just think about it for a couple of seconds, that we are all walking towards our physical death. Every second that passes in your life you are one second closer to the curtains closing on your life and I know that's not a very optimistic viewpoint from your optimistic pastor but it is reality we are all getting closer to death it affects everyone it unites everyone one out of every one person dies it is a universal truth and maybe you're not thinking a lot about death because you're young and you're healthy and you're like bro I'm in the prime of my life put me on that pull up bar I'll show you something I'll work it out I'm doing just fine right now but from the moment of our birth we start on the path towards our inevitable death dead man walking but Paul means more than that when you were in your sins you were dead not just on a path to death physically but our death physically doesn't limit us when we are connected to Christ if you have not believed you are also on a path to eternal death in separation from God You were dead because of your sins and then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of your sins. And he canceled the record, these rap sheets that you and I have compiled over the course of our life, and that we continue to rack up because of our fallen, broken nature. He canceled the record of all the charges, and he took all of it away by nailing it to the cross. If you have believed in Jesus, someday you will stand before God in eternal judgment, and they will say, what are the charges brought against this person there will be an impressive rap sheet but it will not be to you it will be nailed to the cross of Christ and the reason that it is so important for us to understand the assurance of our salvation is because it allows us to walk in the freedom that Jesus purchased for us at the cost of his own life All human able to be the sacrifice and all God able to make the sacrifice to cover not some of our wrong, to not take away some of the charges against us, but to remove it once and for all, past, present, and future. An author that I really like painted the picture in this way, he he said, uh, imagine an earthly king Imagine a king and he rules his kingdom with justice and fairness. He takes care of his people. And one day he discovers that there has been a theft in the royal treasury. We're talking about the king's own money. This isn't someone stealing bread in the marketplace. This is someone robbing the king's treasury and so the king is just and he says you know the law this is 20 lashes and so i'm going to go i want the criminal to come before me the king ascends to his judgment throne and he sits ready to see the criminal who would dare to take from the king himself 20 lashes is what the law required And so he saw from the dark corners of the room a very frail elderly person be brought before him, thrown at his feet, and he was shocked as the criminal looked up and he saw the eyes of his own mother. And what tension internally to know that there has to be justice. What is a kingdom if there's no justice? What is a king if he does not enact his own law? And so without flinching, He orders his mother, the criminal, to be bound to the whipping post. 20 lashes is the punishment. 20 lashes is what will be given. But right before the punishment starts, something happens that's never happened before. It startles the entire court. The king stands. And he lays down his royal scepter. He removes his crown. As he descends the stairs he removes his royal robe he goes to his mother and enfolds her in his arms until every inch of her is covered and then with his bare body he orders the punishment to begin and lash after lash that was earned by the criminal that belonged to the criminal that was meant for the criminal landed squarely on the back of the innocent king and they beat him and beat him until the last lash fell you see we get uncomfortable with the justice of God the justice that demands punishment for sin demands punishment for going astray of the standard that God has set for our life we don't love the wrath of God but what you have to understand is that the cross of Jesus was the perfect intersection of the justice of God and the love of God coming together as he looked down at a sinful creation who goes against the king of the universe but he looks with love And so the king gets up from his heavenly throne and removes the trappings of glory he walks out of a perfect heaven where night and day they sing his praises to come down to a world where he is born into poverty where he lives with the scorn and disapproval of the very people he created and ultimately he goes to a cross stretches his arms out and dies so that anyone who comes to Him can be wrapped in His arms and realize that the punishment for your sin that you earned has already been taken by the King. We don't hold on to our salvation. God holds on to us. We don't have to earn it because Jesus stretched out His arms and He earned it on our behalf. He was killed. He felt every lash. He felt every beating. He felt the embarrassment. He felt the pain. He felt his last breath because he was 100% human. And he felt it so that you would never again have to question whether or not there is a God in heaven who loves you. He proved it to us by sending his very own son to come down and take the punishment that we deserve. He did it. So we would quit trying to work for a salvation that only Jesus, fully human, and yet fully God, could earn on our behalf. And so I want to ask you right where you are just to close your eyes. Because some of you may be thinking, this is great. And I get it, Pastor, I appreciate it. You drank a little, you smoked a little, I get it. You don't know me, though. You don't know my thoughts. You don't know the things that I've screwed up in my life. You don't know the marriage I ruined. You don't know the kids I've abandoned. You don't know the friends that I've let down. You don't know what I've shot up, smoked up. You don't know the addictions that I have. You don't know how I've cheated. You don't know the time that I've served. You don't know me. If you knew what I'd done, you'd preach me a different sermon today. And what you have to do in your mind is get clear on the fact that God already knows everything you've done. There is nothing hidden from Him. This isn't about making God understand the weight of your sin. This is about you finally understanding the power of His blood, the power of His sacrifice, the unending, never ending, never giving up, never leaving, never running off, never abandoning you love of Jesus. I know that your relationships haven't worked out I know that your father left and wasn't there for you I know that everyone you love seemed to turn their back on you and it's hard to imagine that someone could love you that way but God didn't just say it he didn't just preach it he didn't just sing it he did it he came down to the world he allowed himself to be killed he took your place so that you would never have to wonder And if you're here today and you've never made the decision to believe in Jesus, maybe today you're realizing the weight of your sin for the first time and that it separates you from God. Maybe you're realizing today for the first time why we worship this Jesus, what he did by bridging the gap between us and God. If you're here today and you're ready to believe for the very first time, I want to ask you in just this moment of courage to lift your eyes and look up here at me. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a very simple prayer. This prayer is not magic, and this prayer is not what gets you into heaven. This moment of belief right now, you believing in Jesus right now, has moved your ledger of wrongs, your rap sheet from your account onto Jesus's that has already been paid for. And and I wanna say this as clearly as I can, that because you've believed right now in this moment, you can be sure for the rest of your life that you will enter heaven someday. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to lay awake at night wondering where you're gonna end up at the end of this life. It doesn't matter where you go, Or what you do how far you stray you can quit believing if you'd like to and you will still go to heaven one day because you're not hanging on to God he is hanging on to you and so just as an acknowledgement of our belief I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me you can say it in your mind where God can still hear it in our thoughts you can speak it out loud whichever you would like to do we're gonna pray something like this God, I thank you for loving me. Today I choose to believe in Jesus. I understand my sin and that it separates me from you. And I believe that when Jesus died, it bridged the gap between us. So I thank you for a new life. And eternal life and for the assurance of that forever and I pray it in Jesus name and God now I lift up those in the room who are believers but who have been living their life in fear they are so concerned with not falling that they're not able to live in the purpose and power and calling that you have given them and I pray for freedom I pray that they would not look to themselves to determine the assurance of their salvation, but that they would look to you, that they would look to your cross and know that what Jesus did is good enough, that he paid it all. Help us to leave here, God, with an understanding that the power of your sacrifice is sufficient now and forever.